Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday evening to you. I am Jason Kong, the, uh, uh, I, I usually say the lovely Nicole Bruno, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say, well, in all, all fairness, the lovely Cooper Linton with Transitions Life Care is here too. I'm feeling pretty fetching this evening, so oh, I appreciate that. Now, now, what did you say? Feeling rather fetching this evening. Fetching. Yeah. I'm not familiar with this term. Is this Well, uh, you know, we younger people throw ah, those terms around just loosey goosey. Yeah. I see. I see how that goes. And uh and we'll say that very handsome Nicole Bruno <laughs> is here with Transitions Guiding Lights. Yeah, I gotta loosen my tie a bit, I think. <laughs> <laughs> we're cross dressing this evening. Yeah. You know, it, no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> so. I'm going. I'm out. Oh, God. Rain it back in. Rain it back. It's too early. It's too early for this. Well, uh, if we're going to talk about heavy things, we're going to have fun doing it. So that's kind of how right. we get started. No, that is how we get started. And Cooper, I'm excited for the show today. Uh, this is, uh, we've got two great guests, and we're going to talk about some very interesting concepts. But a lot of that has to do with sort of modifications and the use of technology. And uh, I'm excited with where we're going to go today. I am too. And it's actually a. A show that I wish we could have done sooner because the topic continues to come up uh, from listeners. It continues to come up anecdotally from the people that we work with in the caregiving community. And it really echoes what we hear in data. Number The number one thing families tell us and patients tell us about the entire aging process is they want to be home. Mm-hmm. They want to be where they love, with the people they love, and when possible, doing what they love. And an enormous component of that is being able to make the home that you want to be in work. And this segment that we're, this show that we're doing today couldn't have happened five years ago or 10 years ago because so much of this is driven by technology. It's incredible the advances in home technology. And we want to talk about today how that technology can interface with people who want to be at home their caregivers, and not just technology, but the whole design of one's home uh, to make it a livable environment long term. And we have two uh, absolute experts on this subject matter, uh, one of which is Heather Lord. She is the VP of Sales and Marketing for Smart Living Solutions. And so welcome, Heather. We're glad you're here this evening. Thank you. We also have Richard Duncan, who is the Executive Director of the R.L. Mace Universal Design Institute out of Asheville. Uh, And Richard has joined us by phone as an expert in the architectural issues and the design issues for homes. So, Richard, welcome. Uh, We appreciate your virtual presence with us today. Thanks, Cooper. I'm happy to be there. So can we start with a simple question since we just introduced you as the executive director of the Universal Design Institute what is universal design, and why does that matter to our listeners? Well, that's a good question. Uh, we think it should. Uh, you, in, in a nutshell, universal design is the design of products in the built environment. We could uh, refer this to homes particularly in ways that allow use by the widest range of people possible, but in a way that is rendered really integrated and mainstream into what people expect for their for their home design to be looking like. And so it's really homes that, that both look good and work well. I think that a lot of folks uh, listening get a little bit squeamish when they start talking about making a home, quote, handicap accessible. What is that going to look like? And is it going to be a situation where my home starts to look like a hospital? Talk to us a little bit about that. Mm-hmm. 
Well, a lot of us do need, at one point or another, some customized modification to the home, or at least equipment that's that's added in. Um, some of that may be difficult to avoid, you know, looking different if you're talking about these custom features. If you're adding very particular grab bars into your bathroom at certain locations, even though we have nicer-looking grab bars now, people often associate that with, um, you know, stuff that doesn't look so good. If you're adding equipment onto your toilet, also it can have that appearance as well. Um, and if you're modifying a whole kitchen, for example, for a homemaker that's operating from a seated position, it's going to look different than your standard kitchen. A universal design approach is a little bit more generic than that. and takes a step back and says, look, you're going to need to make these customizations at some point anyway. You can do them and render them as, as well as you can. But meanwhile, we're going to make your home look and feel like every other house in the neighborhood, but with these added features of functionality. So we help avoid some of that stigma that's associated with maybe some aging-related kinds of features. With the aging population growing and growing, I've talked to some real estate agents and they actually said the universal designed homes are now something that people are looking for. They're think People are starting to think about their future, what they may look like when they're an older adult, or even potentially thinking about caring for a loved one in their home. So from what I've been hearing, um, these homes tend to be very marketable these days. We'd like to think so because uh, certainly the, the house, that we might be referring to as a universal design house or house with universal features should, you know, look like all the other homes in the neighborhood could be designed in a very similar way. Could it be a one-story house, could be a two-story house, could be a house with a crawl space foundation, full basement, um, all the things we're used to seeing in housing, but it would just have these extra features. So we think it's really, in fact, a value-added element of homes for folks who are we're looking for that. So can you give me an example of what that might look like? Because we're throwing around this term universal design, and it's going to look like every house, other house in the neighborhood, but there must be some features that make it unique and make it different. And so, you know, what are some of those features? And, and then as a follow-up question, if I'm not building a home and I'm living in an existing home, how do I back into those universal design features? Let me address that one first then, Cooper. Um, you can add universal design in the in a remodeling process. People who are listening probably understand that all remodeling is expensive and is no less expensive in the universal design area. But if you're designing a deck on the back of your house, well, maybe you could design the deck that's at the same level as the first floor instead of being a step or two down. That would be a great universal design feature, meaning that anybody can get down out onto the deck and back into the house without having to traverse stairs. And Certainly, mobility problems are one of the things that we address there. If you're something that your would stand out as unusual, at, so I mean, if we were to do that, my neighbors wouldn't come over to the house and go, "Oh, look, you made your your deck handicapped accessible." Right. We if if somebody comes to your house after you've made some universal design improvements, and they say, "Wow, that's really for someone who's a frail elderly person or someone with a with a serious disability." then you probably haven't been successful in, in, in achieving the universal outcomes that we talk about exactly. So that level deck uh, shouldn't be, uh, cause uh, uh, bring any attention to it other than the ease of use and convenience that it, that it offers. Same thing in the kitchen, same thing in bathrooms. You can have lots of universal design features that populate those two spaces that look terrific and just work well, work better than your average kitchen. So I guess one of the other things I'm kind of curious about, because, um, again, I think the caregiving and older adult population, people are starting to realize that there's a real market for this. 
I'm starting to see a lot of people saying that they can do these things for folks that may not, may or may not have the qualifications or are their qualification. I mean, is this something that a simple home contractor that you might call the yellow, yellow pages can handle, or is this something you need to actually have a, a plan for? Well, uh, I think Heather can probably talk to this also. There's a number of, um, of educational um, programs out there nationally that uh, remodelers or even new builders might um, take or have their staff take that would make them a little more sensitive to it. Uh, none of them really define um, expertise, though, and that really comes with someone doing enough of these projects to know what they're doing. So you can look for people's certifications that they talk about, and they might be a CAC certification or a CAP certification or um, certifications that come from various universities. Um, uh, but really, it's the, the, the interview process is what will determine whether or not the person is sensitive to your particular desires, whether they've done any of this stuff before, you're really their first project. That'll be a real difference maker. And I will give a plug here, um, shameless or otherwise, we are coming out with a little helpful guide for folks to choose a contractor when seeking this work out. So we can talk about that more later, but I'll just drop that in now, knowing that folks can then um, reach out to us and can get that for free. Very good. We're speaking with Richard Duncan, who is the executive director with R.L. Mace Universal Design Institute. We also have Heather Lord here in the studio. She's the vice president of sales and marketing for Smart Living Solutions. And we'll continue our conversation in just a bit. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF, you are listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care, and you can find more about them at transitionslifecare.org. I am Jason Kong. Good evening to you. I've got Nicole Bruno and Cooper Linton alongside me here in the studio. We also have special guests this evening, and that would be Heather Lord with is she with uh, Smart Living Solutions. She's the Vice President of Sales and Marketing. Uh, we've also got Richard Duncan on the phone, who is with uh, R.L. Mace, Universal Design Institute. He's the Executive Director there. And Cooper, we were just talking with Richard, and uh, we were talking about... Uh, you know, basically how to find someone who can put in these universal design uh, modifications. And, you know, you don't just want to, I don't know, look on Craigslist maybe and, and find someone. You probably want to find someone with some real expertise. Yeah, I, I don't know that a voice search of Google is going to necessarily find you what <laughs> uh -huh. you need. And that's part of the why we, we bring folks on this show to help people know enough to help themselves and then point them in the direction of additional resources. Because we're not going to be able to cover everything you need to know about universal design and technology in a one-hour show. But, Richard, you were talking about a, a guide that you have coming out that may assist consumers in making better choices with respect to contractors and some of the changes they may want to make in their homes. Can you speak to that further? Sure. So uh, we recommend, first of all, that you talk to um, maybe two or three or even more contractors to make sure you're you're getting a cross-section of, um, of, of different folks and different perspectives. Um, so that's one thing, is, is to in interview enough folks so you get a sense of the uh, field. The second thing is to find out what they've done before. Have they just done maybe a ramp here or there? Is it really a grab bar installation? I mean, how deep have they gone in either the world of the custom modification area or somewhat more rarely in the, in the world of uh, more generic 
universal design features, just to get a sense of what they've done. I think most remodelers will be happy to talk to you about their past projects. Some of them may even bring a portfolio with them to show you work, or they may even refer you to past customers. That's all useful. Their credentials help, um, but it really uh, may only be a starting point for a conversation. Um, and you really, it really also depends upon the chemistry between you and them. Are they folks who are willing to listen to you? Um, or do they come in maybe with uh, fixed ideas about what the right solution is? That dynamic matters a whole lot in the, uh, in, in the process of selection and how you're going to work together going down the line. Now, now Heather, a couple weeks ago, you and I were having a discussion outside of radio mm-hmm. uh, about your experience doing home modifications. Do you mind kind of jumping into this as someone who's, who's done this? You've, you've been someone who put these in yourself. Yeah, I did. Um, And in fact, I mean, I totally agree with Richard. You definitely need to do your background research, interview several people. Uh, One of the things that we always did, and I think this is important when you're doing a home modification, is actually make sure that your clients touch and feel the products that are going to be used in their home. You know, it's not okay to just show up with a box of... Um, grab bars or faucets or any of that type of thing. You need to make sure these things work for that person and their specific disability because it's not a one-size-fits-all. Well, and I think stepping a little bit further back from that, which is why I think going with somebody who's been specifically trained in universal design is important, I think the people who are meeting with these families need to have a little bit of a working knowledge mm-hmm. of what the progression of this disease right. may be, if, especially if you're trying to retrofit a house for somebody who may have MS or ALS. Absolutely. You kind of have a better sense of, well, right now we're here, but mm-hmm. you know, a few years from now we may be here with physical limitations, right. rather than people having to constantly keep renovating their home. Um, so talk to us a little bit about that. Like if, if I was a family member who had a loved one with, let's just say, multiple sclerosis, and I was thinking about the future because I wanted to be able to keep that person at home, what are some things that folks really need to consider? Because I think a lot of times people don't even understand the own uh, progression of the particular disease, let alone how to modify the home related to it. Yeah, and you're right. And I think that's part of why you need to speak to a contractor that has some knowledge on the diseases and their progression, because you're right. And I've gone in personally to homes where someone has already done a modification and it's no longer working a few months later. So you're right. If you have MS or ALS, as I did a lot of modifications for for both of those, um, you know, just thinking about where the toilet's positioned, not having it in that little cubicle that we love to have over Mm -hmm. here. um, The water closet. Right. (laughs) You know, the door opening in, for example, Mm -hmm. is a nightmare. You fall behind the door. No one's coming in to be able to get to you. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, having the toilet set back, if um, if you're trying to go backwards um, neurological diseases make this almost impossible Mm -hmm. as it progresses you can't shuffle back you're going to fall and then you need someone to be able to help you and you're going to need to have a caregiver helping you Mm -hmm. so having the toilet in that kind of position is crazy you need to have space around the toilet so you can transfer sideways and have a caregiver help 
And I think the other thing, too, that folks need to consider as well, you know, sometimes people are just thrown into a caregiving situation mm-hmm. and they're making now the decision to move mom or dad into the home with them. Mm-hmm. I think they need to think a little bit about, too, the, the fact that some of these modifications can actually be temporary or reversible. Mm-hmm. And so folks can put things into a place for a little while that don't make permanent modifications. Mm-hmm. Is that true? It is. Um, but I think, like Richard said, you know, if you do the universal design, which basically, in my opinion, means it works for everybody mm-hmm. um, you can make things that will work sorry I keep moving away um, you can make things that will work for everyone and look very normal for example installing a vanity that is going to work for someone with a disability you can have the doors designed so they go back rather like the um, old-fashioned TV units where the doors roll back inside if you do that when they're closed it looks like every other vanity unit so kind of bridging the conversation into technology a bit here um, even you know 12 months ago uh, 24 months ago three years ago technology and the home looked very different than it does today and I think um, while it was an interesting idea a few years ago, people were very skeptical and not so willing to necessarily embrace it. Where I think today we're starting to see that folks are very interested in having technology as a way to potentially assist a person to remain independent longer. And I know in your work now, you work a lot with technology and making a home more adaptable and safe for an older adult and for their caregiver. Absolutely. Um, So now we have technology that can kind of monitor. It's called passive monitoring, actually. So the user, the person that it's being installed for, does not need to wear anything or press anything or do anything once this technology is installed. And when I say installed, I mean placed around. There's no worry about wiring or uh, drilling holes or anything like that. Everything is wireless these days. So really, the installation is 10 minutes. But once the um, product has been installed, um, it'll take a couple of weeks to learn the routine of that person. And then it actually monitors their movements um, and collects data as well. You said this learns the mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to, if we can touch on the whole big brother concept, I mean, what do you mean this thing learns my behavior? Is it... Is my house turning into some sort of uh, Borg integrated Star oh, absolutely. Trek thing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is. Do I grow tubes and wires oh, out yeah. of my body? The yes. whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, people have some concerns right. about that, not necessarily understanding what it really means when the equipment or the computer is learning mm-hmm. me or my behaviors. What does that really mean? Okay, so first of all, let me explain that the equipment is not videos and it's not audio. Basically, we use a series of different sensors. Uh, For example, we use infrared sensors. You guys are probably familiar with um, home security. We use the exact same technology, the little infrared motion sensors that are placed around your home, um, designed to monitor an intruder. These guys have been reprogrammed, and now they are monitoring the movements within the home. We also use magnetic sensors. Um, Those are used on doors and windows in a security situation. They can still be used on doors and windows to monitor in and outgoings of the person, but they can also be used on the refrigerator or the pantry to keep an eye on whether that person is eating on a regular basis. Uh, We use pressure pads um, that go between the mattress and the box springs, so this will monitor whether the person's 
either in the bed or in a favorite chair. So all of these devices um, together are able to form this data and picture of what that person's doing. Um, so just real quickly, if you normally get up and go to the bathroom once a night, and then last night you got up eight times, what does that tell someone? That could, that could mean an, a urinary tract infection. Um, if you get up usually at eight o'clock and you eat your breakfast and then and get on about your normal day, you get up and then, you know, you're nowhere. You're not in the bed. You're not in the bathroom. You haven't shown up anywhere. Well, where are you? You're probably on the floor. And so information will be then sent out as an abnormal activity to designated people and they will know that maybe they need to check on you. Man, that's a fascinating use of technology. We're going to continue this conversation in just a bit. That is Heather Lord. She is the Vice President of Sales and Marketing with Smart Living Solutions. We've also got Richard Duncan on the phone here with uh, R.L. Mace Universal Design Institute. He's the Executive Director there. We'll continue our conversation in just a bit. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. I am Jason Kong. She is Nicole Bruno. He is Cooper Linton. And our guests this evening are Heather Lord, Vice President of Sales and Marketing with Smart Living Solutions, and Richard Duncan. He's the Executive Director of R.L. Mace Universal Design Institute. And Cooper, uh, man, uh, Heather was just telling us some very fascinating information about technology that's available to um, you know, modify homes and help monitor uh, someone who may be in, in a, a care receiving situation. And I'm thinking about implementing some of that technology in the studio. I can tell maybe if uh, if you're falling asleep a little bit with some of those pressure sensors or maybe put one of those magnetic sensors and, and turn off your microphone. I, I like this idea. Perhaps a taser. Oh, that, that you know, if it, we can we can have behavior modification therapy for him. I, I'm going to guess that Heather does. I think you're pushing a couple of boundaries now. This just, <laughs> this just took a turn, guys. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, yes, it did. I don't think Heather offers a taser. I'm going to go out on the limb and say I that. I go look. <laughs> I, I believe Heather was specifically referencing passive. Yes, I think you're right. Yeah, Passive technology in the home, which I think is actually a very interesting idea. It means that there's not this intrusiveness that we might assume that technology is going to uh, have in our in our life. That you have things installed in your home that actually act as a quiet monitor to alert someone if there's a problem with you and you're not able to alert mm -hmm. or ask for help on your own. So I think we really talked about two things in the last couple of segments. You know, Richard has talked with us about altering the, the space, designing a home that is conducive to ongoing aging. And Heather, you picked up on that and then added in the components of technology in, a, in an unobtrusive manner mm -hmm. using technology. How do we marry the technology and the universal design? Because at the end of the day, this turns into one environment in which I would live or my loved one would live. How do we make these pieces work together? 
I mean, I think they're just a very natural fit. I mean, you know, I mean, it would be advisable, perhaps if you are working with a contractor that's doing the, the sort of physical modifications um, and then have someone that's involved in the technology side of things so that they can work together. But really, those two things, I think they just they just fit like a glove. So I guess one of the questions I have is, you know, Heather, you work with um, one type of a system that monitors older adults or people with, you know, Mm -hmm. some physical issues. Uh, I know there are other systems that are out there as well, but how does that work sort of on the back end? You know, let's just say if I was a caregiver and I didn't live with my mom or dad, but they might have lived down the street or maybe a state away. What is that interface like for that family caregiver to actually get these notifications? I mean, I don't know if I necessarily want to know at three in the morning that my mom went to the bathroom yet another time, or maybe I do. And so kind of how how does the caregiver get notified about these trends? Well, the beauty of the system is that you can add as many people to the notification list as you wish Um, and not everyone needs to receive the same notification so if it's a caregiving situation and you've got somebody there maybe at another part of the home maybe they do need if mum is a full risk maybe they do need to know that she's getting out to use the restroom Um, but if you're living in California and mum's here in Raleigh you just want to know that she's okay you know, your conversation with her can be totally different. And this is one of the advantages because I know that children of seniors or people with disabilities are constantly phoning them. Are you okay? Are you okay? So the whole sort of, um, I'm just trying to think of the word here, but the whole conversation is geared around that panic rather than it being geared around, hey, mom, you know, what have you been doing today? You know, I'm coming into town next week. So it's a different do you know what I'm saying? It's a yeah, it takes oh yeah, that, that makes out. sense. Well, and it makes the person be the daughter and the son again, not just the exactly the panic, the, the emergency yes. <laughs> dispatch person. <laughs> yes. So, Richard, from a universal design perspective, how do you see these pieces interplaying the technology and the spatial design? How do you see that working together? And how would a consumer who's looking at this for an option? figure out how to put all this together? Because this is outside the scope of most of us who are do-it-yourselfers. Yeah, I'm not sure you know, how many remodelers have, have Heather's expertise as well. as She was mentioning that there are folks out there who have, have more of it. It's a, we've been looking for kind of integrated home tech systems for 30 years, and we're kind of getting close to it now. But um, I, I would agree with Heather also that these things, uh, there, there's no incompatibility between uh, home tech of a variety of kinds, even the home health kind, and um, a universal design house. You can add the tech to any kind of house. The technology works a whole lot better if you've got a house that's already universally designed because you've got all kinds of um, safety elements that are kind of taken care of and managed and all kinds of ease of use and convenience things that are taken care of and managed. You mentioned getting up in the middle of the night and going to the bathroom. Well, if you've got the right kind of low-level lighting that gets you from the bed to the bathroom and back again, then you You've eliminated one serious potential area of um, of uh, safety, and that certainly is a piece of a what we might think about as a universal design home feature. Um, but uh, but uh, uh, for sure, we love the home tech stuff, uh, even if even in the cases where um, it might be the clinical delivery of health uh, services. Now they say that homes are the increasingly be the site for for clinical healthcare delivery and. Home tech will really be an advantage to that. So even if you don't get to the point of needing the monitoring that Heather was talking about, if you can have health data that's just um, 
uh, available to your clinician. If you've got, you know, some video two-way going back and forth, that works well too. And if you're in a house that it works better for you as someone who's got a health problem or a health concern, well, you're probably going to be doing better. You're going to be recovering better. You're going to be coming home from the hospital sooner um, and also costing you less money, by the way. Uh, and your your outlook and your mental health, uh, I think, results also be a whole lot better than uh, folks who uh, typically live in uh, standard homes. So I think um, one of the things that the passive monitoring really gets to as well, you know, I think the older adults that are receiving care right now still quite have not embraced having a smartphone or a tablet. It's still a little bit of a scary idea. I think, you know, come 10 years down the road, that's not even going to be an issue anymore. But I think for right now, this almost solves some of those issues where I know there are some sort of devices out there that, you know, the older adult needs to do some things with in order to make things work. And, and I think that can be scary sometimes to overcome some of those objections. So I think that this is very interesting, at least, you know, while it may not have, you know, an interactive game where you can play, you know, words with friends or something like that it still gets to the heart of the matter of, you know, really trying to monitor the situation to try to keep that person as independent for as long as possible. Mm -hmm. Because we know when somebody falls for every hour that they're on the floor, their life, uh, their mortality rate Mm -hmm. decreases. And a lot of times older adults are on the floor, sometimes 24, 36 hours before it's even discovered that they fell. And usually that means that person will probably pass away. So one of my questions, and this is a question that I ask folks on a routine basis because we don't want to talk about it, but the, everybody's worried about money. When you, you know, if I move out of my home, it's going to cost me a lot to live somewhere else, or at least that's the perception. And if I stay in my home, I need to spend money to modify my home so that I can live here. What kind of money are we looking at? And I know we're about to run out of time in this segment, but what kind of money are we looking at, Heather and Richard? I mean, it's almost like asking how long is a rope, I think. But can do you have some sense of the kind of money it takes for an average um, uh, remodel that may uh, involve universal design or the average cost it may take to put technology in a home. Uh, Let me take my first grab at this, and Heather, I'm sure you have a lot to say as well. I I would recast the question slightly to say you have to balance the cost of the remodeling you're looking at with the cost of another setting. Maybe it's an institutional care setting. That's one comparison against the kinds of results you're hoping to get from your remodeling project. There's a lot of folks who might spend a fair amount of money on their home remodeling project and may not get that much improvement out of their actual home performance. And that's where someone like Heather can really give some good advice about, you know, how much you bang for the buck. But maybe, Heather, you can talk about actual costs of some of the work that you do. Um, Yeah, certainly. So um, it's a monthly monitoring charge um, for the technology and that's $69 a month. And then depending on the size of the home and the amount of monitors that you need or the, you know, the amount of sensors that you require, it would probably start around $1,100. Um, but again, it's an a la carte thing and you can always come back later. You don't have to put absolutely everything in to begin with. You can come back to us and say, I need you know, this now. So Aging is a moving target and some is. of these designs and changes yeah, in technology absolutely. are also a moving target. 
Very good. Our guests this evening have been Heather Lord. She's the Vice President of Sales and Marketing with Smart Living Solutions, as well as Richard Duncan, who's the Executive Director with R.L. Mace Universal Design Institute. A quick break and back. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. You can find more about Transitions Life Care at transitionslifecare.org. I'm Jason Kong, Nicole Bruno, and Cooper Linton here with me. A big thanks again to our guests this evening, Heather Lord with uh, Smart Living Solutions and Richard Duncan with R.L. Mace Universal Design Institute. And man, guys, this was a really fascinating topic because... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it, the advancement of technology and the improvement of some of the designs and modifications that you can put into your home really uh, makes it intriguing and, and you know, uh, seems a lot more accessible than this may have been, as you mentioned, Cooper, uh, you know, five or ten years ago. Well, I think this is a subject matter that we're going to touch on again on this show because the technology changes. Mm -hmm. You know, to your point, the things that we were discussing are very <laughs> are very different than the things we're discussing now. Mm -hmm. um, the capabilities, I mean, even if you just watch television today, the ability to have a doorbell that you don't have to get up and go check the door to see who's there, that you can have that, you know, the like a ring system that allows you go to, to look your on your phone mm -hmm. or to your tablet mm -hmm. and eliminate the need for you to walk to your door to know who's there. Simple pieces of technology that are becoming rapidly integrated into everyday living and have great utility and value for an aging population at costs that are very, very nominal compared to what we thought they were going to cost 10 years ago. And I, I venture to guess they're going to keep coming down. Well, they've been coming down in every category. Mm -hmm. I mean, the, uh, if you think of your smartphone and that there's video capacity there's two lenses, mm -hmm. there's phone capacity, there's texting, there's all sorts of compute, all of which is on a handheld device that prior to Apple coming out with that first device a number of years ago, nobody thought about it. And, and yep. it's available, it's cheap, it's ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. You know, every 14-year-old out there knows how to program it. Yeah, that's a, a, a definitely a big development because usually you had to have, you know, four or five different devices to accomplish what you'd had with a smartphone. Well, my GPS is on my phone. Mm -hmm. uh, I can call for a ride on my phone. It's also a telephone. Um, <laughs> you know, we forget sometimes, oh, yeah, you can actually use this to talk to people. And that sort of technology being integrated into the house is, is really affordable. I think another piece is that when people are renovating their homes now, if you're going to do a home modification and you're in your 30s, 40s, or 50s, it's a great opportunity to look at the incorporation of universal design features now as opposed to trying to retrofit them mm -hmm. in the 70s, you know, when you're, when you're in your 60s or 70s. With an eye to the future, because we know, I mean, based on conversations we've had, there are not going to be enough hands to care for all the people that are going to need caring for. So if we can try to be a little bit proactive and thoughtful in our approaches, you know, it, it'll save a lot. For everyone in the end, financially, emotionally, you know, economically, the whole nine yards. If you can incorporate universal design into something you're already doing in your home, the costs plummet. And I, and I can actually speak to this personally. My wife and I are 
uh, completing the renovation of a home that we'll be moving into shortly. And in the course of those renovations, we wanted to include some universal design features. It was not a universally designed home to begin with, but there were several walls and several doors that we needed to modify. We needed to do a significant renovation to the master bathroom. And so we took universal design features and used those to be incorporated and included in our work with the contractor for very little cost because we were making changes anyway. Well, and on top of that, these open concept designs are really the thing that are in now. People aren't wanting to live in these little boxed off rooms. So it really does. And I mean, I have been in many universally designed homes from the ground up. You would never in a million years know that that was the case. I mean, people are currently functionally using a gigantic um, walk-in pantry as a pantry. That can be turned into an elevator shaft. It actually is an elevator shaft. They just don't have the elevator yet because they don't need it. So there are so many little neat tricks of the trade that folks can do. You know, you still don't want to give up your up and down house. You don't have to. And don't assume you can't afford it. I, Mm -hmm. I think if you incorporate these ideas now and begin the planning, it, it becomes much more attainable and achievable. Um, you know, when we look at the changes that my wife and I made to this house, the universal design features cost less than $1,000 to include because we incorporated them, and mm-hmm. we only did it in the master suite, mm-hmm. but we incorporated those while we were doing other projects, and so it really had very little marginal cost other than some additional materials. Yeah, I think it's super smart that you're doing it now. And this is maybe a, a kind of a silly comparison, but uh, you know, after my son was born, we installed little childproofing locks mm-hmm. and things. And I'm still not used to it. It's been a year, and I'm still you know trying to yank drawers open. And you know, I can only imagine if you were in a, a care situation or you know you had uh, suffered an injury and you're making all these modifications immediately. You know, that's going to be a bit of a shock, and that could be very frustrating. But if you're easing into it, that's uh, it makes a little bit more sense to me. And if you design it right, it really shouldn't alter the current functionality of the home. Right. I mean, to Richard's point earlier, the, the guest from the, the, the Design Institute said, if someone walks in your house and says, oh, you have a universally designed home that's really uh, there to help you when you're frail and elderly, you've done it wrong. Mm-hmm. It's not supposed yeah. to look and feel like you replicated a hospital room. There shouldn't be this mm-hmm. sterile component. It just should be easier to use, and the house should be able to grow with you as you grow and just naturally over time. Yeah, that makes plenty of sense. Well, the holidays are just around the corner, and I know people are probably, hopefully they've made plans already, but you know, if they haven't, they're still making some plans now. But um, you know, what are some tips that you guys might have for folks who may be seeing some family members? You know, This is an important time of the year uh, to catch up with mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and everyone what are some things that we should be doing uh maybe to prepare ourselves or to prepare anyone for a caregiving situation well i think uh, the first thing is is go into that home that you haven't maybe been into in a few months may even been a year with the thought of okay there could be some changes a lot of times when we work with the family caregivers after the crisis, they look back and they realize that they saw some things, and hindsight is twenty twenty. So, you know, really looking at the situation, uh, have you noticed that there's maybe a cognitive decline? Is mom or dad starting to show some forgetfulness? Um, 
you know, look in the refrigerator. Wow, you know, if if there are a tremendous amount of spoiled foods. I mean, I looked in my refrigerator the other day, and I was surprised with the number of condiments that were past date, and I threw out a whole host. That happens to all of us. But, you know, if there is, you know, green meatballs, you know, just various <laughs> things like that, you, you got you to gotta wonder, you know, perhaps they're not able to keep up with the things that are going on in the home like they were. If bills are piling up, um, if they have some unexplained bruising, you know, perhaps there's been a recent fall. Those types of things I think are super important to, to, to look at and to see. You know, perhaps mom or dad always, were, they were very aware of their physical appearance and maybe they're looking a little bit more disheveled. Um, and, you know, we can all look at these little issues and say, oh, well, they've had a cold recently. And, oh, we, we, we can kind of deflect every single thing that's going on away but when you look at the sum total of it all perhaps that's really signaling that things are starting to decline and you know typically the older adult themselves they're not going to raise the flag and say hey I need more help because they're scared to death of losing control of having things taken away from them losing some of their independence and they don't really a lot of times know that little simple things can be done like technology like some design modifications to help them actually maintain their independence longer. Yeah, and uh, another cool thing is that if you um, do that over the holidays and maybe you you find something and uh, you're wondering what the next step is, you can reach out to us via our email address, agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. That's a a new email address that we've set up for the show here, and we're happy to take uh, any questions or comments, suggestions that you may have, or uh, you know, even if you don't want to have your comment right on the air and you're just, hey, I I need to know what to do next, you can email us, agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org. Org and uh, I mean you can also go to transitionslifecare.org or Transitions Guiding Lights mm-hmm. and find plenty of information there as well. Well, we want to be easy to reach, mm-hmm. and we really want your input as listeners on what we cover on this show because we want to make it relevant and we want to make it meaningful and uh, make it worth your time when you when you tune in. So we appreciate your guidance and crafting the show as we go forward. That's right. Uh, you guys listening, you guys help make this show, and we certainly appreciate that. Again, agingmatters at transitionslifecare.org is the way to reach us. You can also go to the WPTF website and head over to the Aging Matters section. You can fill out the form there, and that will be shot directly to that email address. Or you can catch up on any previous shows that you may have missed or share them with someone who may find it interesting or helpful, which uh, we certainly hope is the case. Again, thank you very much for listening. We really appreciate it. We hope you'll do it again next week. On behalf of Cooper Linton and Nicole Bruno, I am Jason Kong. Thank you so much for listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care on News Radio 680 WPTF. <laughs>